Hey, welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Friday, June 4, 2021. I hope your week has gone well and you are looking forward to a big weekend. You are looking forward to <laughs> You probably were looking forward to a big weekend and I hope now you have a big weekend. I'm recording this Thursday morning, the day before, and I'm only going to have about six minutes to do it because when I sat down, here's the thing. <laughs> Look, not a lot of people know this. When you are a parent, there are a lot of teachable moments. So an hour ago, I went upstairs when my wife and daughter came in from the park and we had a brief moment and I was going to come back down here and record the podcast. But in that time, I was talking with my wife. My daughter was clamoring for our attention a little bit and trying to insert, trying to really recapture my wife's exclusive attention. And uh, we just can't have that. We have to, we're a unit here. We're a team. Mama got you. Dada got you. Everyone's got you. But we have to talk. Because we run the whole goddamn game here. So, what should have been a five-minute interaction became a 45-minute exercise in parenting in which my wife and I sit and talk through a child clamoring, Mama! Mom! Walking to another room while the child kind of melts down because we are not giving her our undivided attention. Communicating, though, also that we love her. (laughs) But she can't just hijack our conversation. And so what we do is we just have to play through. And if I would have returned at the time to the basement to record the podcast, then she would have gotten exactly what she wanted. Which, you know, you should give a kid what they want. But what we believe is in their long-term best interest is if she learns to fucking play with the whole unit. That's us. So, um, it's funny. Like, being a parent, the teaching moments, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're going to do this thing for three minutes. And nope, you're going to dig in and I'm going to dig in. And now it's going to take 45 minutes of you learning you're not the most stubborn person in the house. (laughs) It's your mom first, me second, and then the the dogs aren't even as hard-headed as we are. And then you. So this is going to be, uh, uh, this is the beginning of the podcast, which I will, I'll have to do later. Um, but yeah, I was all set. I was going to pop up there, say hello to him, get some more water, come back down to the basement. And then all of a sudden, if I didn't make it clear, she's trying to, you know, and then all of a sudden she's trying to wedge her way into our conversation, but not wedge. She's trying to cudgel. She's trying to use a battering ram. Uh, of uh, yelling mom 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 which we just don't tolerate because who the fuck is you well you're our daughter (laughs) that's who you is Uh, but we just we wanted to know uh, we need to talk and you're welcome to be part of the conversation but all eyes are not going to be on you at all times attention wise and so what we do is we try to lead with the parenting behavior meaning we're just kind of going to ignore you which is very hard to do because we're trying to have a normal conversation and it's like there is a tidal wave uh, crashing around you this goes back to my point where if you ever see a kid melting down and a parent not doing shit uh, that's a good parent because they're trying to teach them some long-term lessons (laughs) and in the moment it takes a village so uh, we're socializing the process but so we had to ride that out And then, you know, we move to a different room, we keep talking, 
and her her frustration increases and then peaks and then diminishes and my wife and I keep talking and what happens we hope is she gets through that uh, moment where she she doesn't get what she wants because to the child if she realize, if she feels like she's in control of the situation we believe that's very stressful for her because we're the parents we should be in control if she feels like she's in control she's going to be like what the hell's going on here I'm two these people are old what are we doing so she learns that she's not in control of the situation, that these two rock figures at the top, hard-headed rocks, <laughs> that we are in control. Uh, but ultimately, it just it costs us 45 minutes or an hour of, uh, you know, of time. Then it calms down. She's experienced our behavior is not going to flex to her uh, what we perceive as petulant demands. And then my wife and I stay talking. The daughter comes back with a book and she kind of sits and reads next to us. And she knows that we got her. We got you. And she is part of the unit, but she is not demanding it and controlling it. So that's why I'm going to have to now pause this because I have to go take over. And then later on, I'll have time, hopefully, to record the rest of this and tell you all about, uh, you know, some wonderful things in, in the world. I don't know. I have a couple things on my mind that I'd love to talk to you about, including one is when... Uh, my wife came back from the playground and she was talking about a neighbor who's, she's mentioned this before. She's like, you know, he's really fit. One time she said that. <laughs> she's like, you notice his body a fair amount, don't you? And uh, she's, today she said, he looks really lean. And I'm like, you know, okay, you should see his wife's tits. Like, <laughs> I get it. You're noticing the guy's body and I'm going to pay attention to his wife's. I feel like that's only fair. So <laughs> I will talk. You won't know, um, but I'm stopping now. Seven, six minutes in. Is that a reasonable response? <laughs> no, she uh, I, the guy is kind of lean. He looks like he's in good shape, better shape than I am. And, you know, his wife, one of my favorite things about her is where the back of her thigh meets the bottom of her ass. Don't you? <laughs> That's the old... Uh, the old that's the old creepy that's a good one like the place <laughs> where the back of your thigh meets the curve of your cola curve of your tail so i i get it you see the guy's body good good for him he's a young man in the prime of his life he should fucking be in shape <laughs> he's not drinking at limerick until 12 o'clock on a tuesday night and by the way, I don't know if the our parenting approach is right. It's right for us. We're <clears throat> certainly not um, like many judgmental people around us. <laughs> we're not. We're not judging other people parent other people's parenting styles. But I do wonder if like we're raising a daughter. Like, why would you want your daughter to? I think it's adaptive. That's why. Well, adaptive for what environment is the question. We're trying to raise a daughter who does not think that she is uh, exceptional. And is that a good idea? <laughs> is that where we are in the United States in 2021? We are exceptions. But we just what we're trying to do is get a child who knows that they are supported and loved. We're trying to get one. <laughs> we're not trying to make one. We're not trying to dig in and invest time 
when you'd rather be doing a podcast. We're not trying to do that. Uh, we, we just want to get a kid. A kid who knows that she is loved and supported and does not need to be extra about trying to gain everyone's attention. We, and you know what that's going to make her? It's going to make her someone that other people are going to be inclined to get along with, I think. It's going to make her, it's going to give her a degree of agreeableness, which is that adaptive to be agreeable or is she going to get, you know, pushed around? Because I'm sure the kid who gets told he, (laughs) here's how you get to the top. I think you're either told you're not shit or you're told that you're the best and you believe it and you just, you know, take it. That's what I think. I'm not sure you get to the top by being agreeable. And uh, so we're raising a loser, essentially, which is too bad. But I guess that's just our Gen X, Gen X compass. Say please, say thank you. You're, uh, you're great, and we love you, and we'll support you in whatever you do, but you are not exceptional. You're not just naturally better or different or more, more worthy than anybody else. Certainly to us, your parents, you know. Um, and you know that's gonna you know what that's gonna do it's gonna make her adaptive to people like her and uh, probably out of step with uh, the world because if she's gonna ever get a job which she will uh, you know that's not fucking capitalism agreeableness and anyway I think I I think I made my point that's what we're trying to do we're trying to raise a kid who's not an asshole who you would think that you'd want everybody wants that but we're all assholes at the same time isn't that isn't that the human journey nobody wants everybody wants to be an asshole but also we don't want to spend any time around assholes like excuse me i saw an asshole last night on tv uh there is a program called last chance you and uh my wife i don't know if i mentioned this previously my wife and i watched the basketball season that took place in East Los Angeles, and we loved it. We thought it was really well done, and we were rooting for the kids and rooting for the coach and reminded us of SoCal, and I attended junior college. My wife did not. She went straight to university and is a graduate of uh, Long Beach State University. But we really liked the basketball one, and, and last night or over the last couple of nights, my wife has started the original and i've been with her but like sort of not really paying attention the original last chance you is a a football school in east mississippi it's a junior college also and the coach is just a fucking asshole and it's if you're let me say this as a middle-aged middle-class white man when you're talking to people who come from the school of hard knocks you can't fucking fool them so you might as well just tell them the truth. And you can see this guy trying to fool these kids all the way along. And it ultimately blows up in his face. I don't want to... I'll tell you. It's, you're not going to go fucking watch it. It blows up in his face at the end. And they're like, I I knew it. I knew who this guy was. And he reveals himself. Uh, and it's not... You know what? It's maybe because it's just the first season of it. Um, they didn't give you enough to care about. I mean, you're rooting for the kids... And you sort of understand what the journey is. But they don't dig in enough to really get a strong emotional connection. Although, apparently, this woman who stars in it 
is uh, has become a celebrity because of it, and they're gonna make a, a movie about her starring uh, Courtney Cox from Friends, and uh, which is interesting because she, I mean, they certainly feature her um, as the counselor who is whispering to the um, the academically challenged athletes who don't give a fuck about school, and why should they? The school doesn't give a fuck about them, and that's not cynical to say that it's just transactional and the kids know that and if you've ever spent time around a big time athletic program as i have at uh, georgia tech you'll realize that the bs that you hear or read about in the newspaper or you know on some idiot sports talk radio about these kids are getting a college education and fuck you they're just commodities for the universities and they don't want to be there. They want to play football, but they don't necessarily want to go to class. And yeah, I'm generalizing, but why not? <laughs> Isn't that what's fun about this podcast? Just talking shit. But they don't want to be there. So what they should do, my solution is this. They're not going to pay the students because then it violates some antiquated amateurishness. Back before black people had rights and white people, some horseshit amateur thing that, you know... Watch a college football or basketball game and tell me how much amateurism is going on. I'm, all right, okay, 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 okay. I'm just saying. What they should do, this is my solution, is just have the Georgia Tech basketball team. Don't call them student. Don't patronize them by calling them student athletes. Fuck, they don't give a shit. Not all of them. I get it. But, you know what I'm saying? They just want to play basketball or football or baseball or whatever it is. And they're students first. Bullshit. This is just the thing. Just say what they are. They are the baseball team here. Oh, what do they do? They play baseball. Oh, they must be terrific student. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about that. And uh, the players know it. And sooner or later, the you know there will be some sort of revolution. And I, I know there already is because people have sued for uh, you know their likeness is being used and all that sort of thing. And I'm not a uh, you know an amateur attorney or an attorney who knows anything about amateurism. But if you root for the universities and you think they are getting a great opportunity, they shouldn't be paid and all that stuff, then, you know, stay home in the 1950s and, uh, yeah, just you're, you're not looking forward. You're holding on to something that does not exist anymore, though <laughs> you wouldn't know it, I guess, by by the times in our country, or the times in parts of our country at times. I didn't mean to talk about Last Chance You, but uh, the, watch the basketball one if you want. They, they're a very likable team, <clears throat> and the, the coach is very likable as well. And it's, it's very sweet, and maybe because it's later on in the production, they do an excellent job of establishing at least for for us they did for us it really worked resonated with me um you know they make they make an establish an emotional connection i mentioned parenting i uh well you did mention parenting that's what you started talking about before your wife was like wow that guy is really he's fit <laughs> he's a fit he's he's looking i like his waist is that, is that what you like, his waist? How, how about his shoulders? <laughs> Somebody told me before we had a kid that 
fatherhood reveals you. And what it revealed to me, is this racist? Does it reveal that I am racist when I am putting together children's furniture? Maybe. That's that's what fatherhood revealed about me, I think. But I'm not, is this racist? This is, <laughs> and the answer is yes. Anyone who knows anything about the world knows if you have to ask that question, yeah, just about certain that it's racist. But what I was doing one night is I was putting together the crib before our baby was born, before she came out. This is after, if you've ever seen my stand-up, you know I have a bit about um, reading an article about circumcision for 20 minutes before I remembered we were having a girl because I was pretty buzzed reading the article. This was before that. I was putting together... Uh, oh, by the way, I'm doing a comedy show tonight. Here, this is my only... I have two plugs, and I'm going to come back to talking about putting this damn thing together. I'm at the Laughing Skull Lounge tonight, June 4th. That's the only only date, only plug I'm going to do. I just remembered I have... I, I'm, I'm there at the Laughing Skull tonight, June 4th. Come say hello. The, I, I think they're back to full capacity and as I mentioned on a previous podcast, the crowds are hot, 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 and they're back, and everybody's looking to, you know, pull down their masks, masks off. And also, I mentioned I would give you more information about my friend Plug Chapman's book and book signing. I did a show with him on Tuesday night, and I ate a truck at the beginning of it. That doesn't have anything to do with this, but it also has to do with the shitty microphone, and the crowd sucked, but also so did I. And then at the end, I told the crowd, or not the crowd, the table sitting right up front. Uh, I said, all right, I'm out. Are you ready for your next comic? We'll make some noise for her. And everyone clapped except the table in the front. And then I said, you know what? You guys fucking suck. <laughs> because they did. And it was, you know, they were ruining my experience. They were terrible. And, uh... It's not nice to go first on a show that your friend uh, accommodates you and lets you go immediately right off the top so you can go to your show and then your set is plagued by sound difficulties. And, you know, I could see people laughing throughout, but it was not a good set. I can be very candid about that. And then at the end of the set, when I'm bringing up the next comic, it's just, it's, it's you know, poor form to say, oh, and by the way, this table right in front... You guys suck. <laughs> and there was there were six people there. At least two of them, maybe three of them, were in their 70s. There was one person in his 30s who was clapping enthusiastically. And I said, dude, you're carrying all of them. Look at how nice you are. You're doing it, though, because they're your in-laws, aren't they? And he starts nodding. He's like, yeah, they're my in-laws. And then I said something I shouldn't have said. I said, dude, you don't have to try so hard. Fuck these people. And you know what? You're already fucking their daughter. And that is so wrong on so many different levels, you know? First and foremost, probably, like, is that a... Uh, <laughs> it's like an assault. Like, you're already injuring their daughter by having sex with her. Uh, anyway, I did not do well, but I spoke with Plug that night, and he was on the show, and the book signing that he is having for his book about the time he spent working alongside the King of the South, T.I. Uh, the book is called The King's Guard, and the book signing is in two days, Sunday, June 6th, uh, 
in Stockbridge, Georgia, uh, at 5.30 p.m. at a place called Milan's, uh, like the capital city of Italy. M-I-L-A-N apostrophe S in Stockbridge, Georgia. If you happen to be in the city of Atlanta or just a little bit south, go on Sunday afternoon, buy a copy of Plug's book, The King's Guard, have him sign it for you. He's a great dude, a fantastic storyteller. And you know if he was on the road working closely with T.I. that he has some stories to tell because uh, T.I. is one of the realest of the real from what I observe and have been told. That's, those are my only only plugs. All right. No pun intended. <sighs> I'm not a pun comic. I've told you that. All right. So I was putting together this crib before my kid was born. And I got to the very last screw, as you do, uh, the very last turn. And I, I felt like the dimensions were off by like, you know, half an inch. That So the, the putting together the crib was less than perfect. And I was like fucking a i because i understand how manufacturing i don't understand it i suppose how manufacturing works there's a process built to make a million of these crib parts and setups and it's going to be done so well but also in there will be a little bit of error so that every one in whatever number the fucking measurement will be off and some poor asshole at home like me will be sitting there going why does this not fit together does that make sense? And please, if you work in manufacturing or any sort of supply chain, <laughs> feel free to dial in and let me know uh, where I have this mistaken. But it's just error, right? There's a process that's supposed to work overwhelmingly most of the time, but there will be times when it's off. And sometimes you get the... It's like you, you ever buy the same... I don't know if this is, resonates or not. The same underwear or the same... I don't, I don't, I don't really buy underwear. I don't, just to sleep in. Um, but I do buy the, like the same t-shirts. And I used to get frustrated if I get like a three-pack of white t-shirts and one of them was different. Like it was just a different size, different feel altogether. But now, over the years, I've realized that's just error. And it's bound to happen. And that's life. And really, it's capitalism. <laughs> like, send it back then, you asshole, to Fruit of the Loom or Haynes or whoever it is. Never jockey. Jockey's shirts were always perfect. So it's just error, right? So now I'll what I'll do is I'll buy like two bags of white t-shirts, knowing that, you know, if four of them work, that's all I need. I get four more fresh shirts, two don't work, I can give them to good, goodwill and move on. But I got to the end of this crib project and was screwing in this last thing and it was like half an inch off. And I was like, God damn it. Fucking Chinese motherfuckers. And the rule is, if you put the nationality before the F word, uh, it's probably racist. It's certainly racist. And what was I thinking? I was thinking uh, Chinese are the, and I'm talking about mainland made in China, pretty industrious, just like I would talk shit about Goldman Sachs, not giving a fuck about the end user. Um, that's what I was saying. But I, if I was, if I would have said motherfucking Goldman Sachs, that wouldn't be racist. These fucking, these Goldman Sachs motherfuckers, these Jewish, like, 
these chi- what I was speaking to is the entire made in China what I perceive to be not always the highest quality perhaps with the profit motive front of mind like every other goddamn business in the world and that's what I just said that's in the moment I think these Chinese I can't remember how I said it. I might have said these motherfucking Chinese or these Chinese motherfuckers Bill Burr I think used to have a joke about that if you say it one way versus saying it the other way Chinese motherfuckers or motherfucking Chinese this motherfucking Chinese guy yeah that's the less racist way so I can't remember how I said it uh, and then it turned out that it was made in the United States. <laughs> I went and looked at it, and like, oh, but then I had this weird feeling like, I know that's racist to say Chinese motherfucker, but when I'm thinking of, it's like I've said before, if you're, th- you, I, you know, when I say I hope you had a great week, and if your week is making people more miserable, you know what, I hope you had a good week fucking people's lives up too, in a strange way. Right. I respect people who are good at what they do, even if what they do is shitty, is something shitty. Does that make sense? <laughs> and and so I have this like respect for the Chinese grind. And that and I'm talking about the made in China, whatever that means, the, the, the brand made in China, the whole enterprise from the uh, mega country sending all this crap over. So I'm like, these guys just don't give a fuck. Like, I like respect, like get money the best you can. So it was kind of when I found out it was made in the United States, it was like doubly not race. It was like I was kind of like flattered and like, hell yeah, the U.S. is (laughs) we're not afraid to make shitty stuff as well. Like, we're, like, on a China... Like, it was, like, a come-up for the United States in our manufacturing that we made something uh, that it was a jank assembly that I just presumed was Chinese, but really was us. So it was... This is a, now it's become, like, a puzzle. I'm sliding China while, while, like, tipping my cap. You fuckers got me again. It was, like, from that spirit of made in China, you got me again. And then when I found out it was the United States, it was like, oh, okay, we're on the same grimy level, <laughs> Me, meaning uh, leveling up from where we were as far as like, don't give me this stand and salute the flag and American craftsmanship. And I was like, we're fucking competing at a Chinese level. So, yeah, racist and wrong, but um, I suppose. But I can't, I, you know, I, it, it is, is it racist? Yeah, absolutely, I guess. I don't know. If if you want to tell me it's racist, I, I accept that. What would Jesus do? Like, why is that? I, I accept that. But, you know, what would, I don't know what Jesus would do. I don't even, I think the, what, why, what would Jesus do? I saw that on a, I saw it on like a homeless man's sign the other day. Like, what would Jesus do? And it's like nothing. Like, clearly nothing. He hasn't done shit, right? For this guy. So I gave him five bucks. (laughs) Jesus wouldn't do that. I did that. (laughs) Got a jerk off. I'll tell you what. You are right. The person who told me that my voice helps them fall asleep 
uh, I'm very flattered. If you, if you, if you want, and maybe this is the time of the podcast where, like, you know, enough with the Chinese stuff. Um, and and you're like, dude, I, I'm just gonna tune out on this one because it was. It's not racist. Well, yes, it is. It's like positive. Like you guys, you guys, fucking grimy and hustled and elbowed me out of the way, and now I have this subpar crib. Salute, you got me. It's like that. That's a grudging. But if you also, if you argue against your racism, it's also racist. <laughs> That's another good sign. If you say, "Is this racist?" Yes, and then if you're arguing against your racist, also probably racist. So. There I am doing that. This may be the time that causes you just like you know what I, I've enjoyed the podcast thus far, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tune out. Fine, enjoy enjoy the rest of your day and have a great weekend. I'm gonna stick around for a little bit more and hopefully a couple other people will. But what someone has told me is that my voice is nice to fall asleep to. <laughs> more than one person's told me that. No, I'm not talking about like lovers, paramours, those who have shared my boudoir. I'm not talking about that. Like my wife used to say, just keep talking so I can fall asleep. I'm talking about people who listen to podcasts, say that they listen to it as they're falling asleep. And then, uh, which is fine with me. As I've said before, if you want to listen to the podcast while you're falling asleep, just make sure like autoplay is on. So I can keep getting all the <laughs> the credit for all the episodes you've slept through. But... Apparently, if you listen to my podcast at the right level of uh, maybe, you know, to the person who said you should have music on it, maybe it's helpful that it doesn't have music on it because it enables people to sleep more. <laughs> hey, well, tell me about his podcast. Oh, it's the best to sleep to. It's like NPR. But NPR, I imagine, I, I mean, I don't listen to NPR podcasts, but I, I've listened to the radio stations. They chop it up and there's stuff going on all, all of a sudden stuff going on and all of a sudden you're at the top of the hour and it's like i'm corva coleman president biden today and then they they it's always like mixing up but my lack of production is really what it is <laughs> lack of uh sound la i mean lack of music la lack of uh sound drops music boing, 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 that kind of shit you can fall asleep to it and just do it from an auto play perspective. Because if you really want to hear what I say, you know, you can just go back and do that the next day. And like everything else in the uh, social world, the next day you'll be like, yeah, what was I curious about? I don't know. He's going to say something about Chinese manufacturing and how he wasn't being racist but uh, do I want to, hmm, now here's something else to distract me. And then you move on to the next thing, and, and I get it. I, I mean, I do it all the time. Like, what was I looking for anyway? It doesn't matter. If you have to think that, it doesn't matter. You're just trying to get that shot of dopamine. But you can always look, you can always go back and listen if you want. Press autoplay so you just get, like, how many ever podcasts would play while you're asleep. So I've been led I, I've been led to believe that there's something about this podcast that helps people sleep. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what. I confess to agree with you because the other night I was lying in bed and I before a podcast was going to come out 
the next day or something, I wanted to listen. Uh, I wanted to listen to something I said. I I I never edit them, as you can tell. You should you should tighten them up a little. I don't edit them. I just put them out. And what I also don't do is I don't think too much of uh, of what I say. That also is apparent to the listener. <laughs> you should think. You should think before you speak. Well, you know, we don't always do that. But I think I, why was I putting it? I, I, I must have, I wanted to hear, I think, what I said about something. Maybe I was actually trying to get a little material out of it for getting my act together. Um, but I put the headphones on and was lying in bed listening. And my voice, now I'm holding onto my face and my throat. So my voice probably dropped an octave or two. And now we're talking down in this register. And that's kind of what it sounded like when I was lying in bed. Because I had the volume on the phone turned way down. And then the next thing I knew it was morning. And I was like, you know, holy shit, it's true. You really can fall asleep listening to me. <laughs> sleep well, fuckers. Kind regards. Uh, what did he say? Kind regards. Survive. Kind regards. Survive, mother. Survive, motherfuckers. Kind regards. Yeah, survive. But it, like, and you know what? And then I tried it a few days later, just because I still had it, like the recording left on my phone. I do not game the stats and like play my own Apple. But God damn it, if you do and you're on Apple listening, would you leave a fucking review for Christ's sake? <laughs> if you want. If you don't want to, please keep doing what you've done thus far. <laughs> anyway, thank you for all the support. But yeah, it, it kind of helped me fall asleep. Also, I don't think that I am maybe all that animated, which helps people just get a sense that he's droning on again about something. Like he said, his voice helps us fall asleep. So try it. Give it a shot and, and let me know if it works. Um, very quickly, there is a beef in the Eggman world. For those of you who have been following along, Eggman, so you know there are two egg vendors at the farmer's market I go to. There is Eggman, Grateful Pastures from Mansfield, Georgia. And... Sometimes Eggman doesn't have his shit together. Sorry. Sometimes Eggman's all sold out of eggs by the time I get there. So when I really just can't go without $10 eggs, I swing around the parking lot to another Eggman. And I can tell you these eggs are delicious, and they're also fucking $10. They're called Woodsong Farms. And they're in south of the city somewhere. So Grateful Pastures as Mansfield, Georgia, wherever that is. I think it's north of Atlanta. And then the other egg seller, Woodsong Farms. <laughs> People are like, who's your demographic? I'm like, well, probably some comics. Uh, I know a lot of women listen to the podcast. Uh, I have an international following. And also people who love spending, wasting $10 on a carton of eggs. <laughs> Those people. Oh. That sounds like they'll buy tickets, or can we advertise our uh, dog shampoo on your program? Anyway, so the second egg seller had has the eggs. My um, 
loyal to uh, Grateful Pastures, as you know, Egg Man, who uh, who's got a <laughs> who is uh, as far as we know, his lady is still with child. So uh, cross your eggs. I'm loyal to him. He's my top choice. The other person, Woodsong Farms, I got ten dollar eggs from them, and to gently joke with Grateful Pastures, I made a. Uh, Instagram story saying uh, there's an egg war happening because uh, they're out and here's my new Woodsong Farm brand. The move next, the move is the move is yours. Your move, Grateful Pastures. And I put that on, uh, I put that on the IG story, and lo and behold, somebody who follows me chimes in with. Hey, if you're looking for fucking $10 organic eggs, check out my farm. Blam! And I don't remember the name of it, but uh, if, I, if I do get it again, I will, I will pass it on. So now I have a third, a third, is this what it's like to be rich? I'm going to say this out loud. I have three organic farms vying for my $10 for carton of eggs. God, how how boring. <laughs> What's next? Like, we would like you to... Each of us is selling a $45 bottle of Barolo. And anybody who drinks, like, serious wines, like, where'd you get a $45 bottle of Barolo? <laughs> I'll start shouting out the wine. I'm, I need to start monetizing this podcast, but... I mean, monetizing it more than I am, and from thank you so much for all the people that come out and support, and I say all, a handful of people have come to Limerick, a handful of people have come see me at comedy shows to let me know that 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 I whatever you appreciate it, but I don't want to I don't want to monetize it. I want to monetize it further. That would be great, but I don't want to monetize it from you, right? I don't want you to. Send, well, I do want you to send me money if you want. Please. Yes, Joe Smith on uh, Venmo, please. But it seems that everybody gets their uh, revenue from... Their podcast revenue comes from advertising. And then I'm just another tosser with some... Well, so-and-so makes a hundred grand a month on advertising. All right. I don't know. But advertising is so sketch. It's so... And then... I would have to do like what Bill Burr does or did, and I'd have to just talk freely about it. Like, what is this fucking product? This they're alleging this, and that would never, it would never work, um, because I would probably alienate the sponsors. And um, so, if you have any ideas, maybe you just want to send me everyone. It's a voluntary Patreon. Everyone who listens sends, you know, like forty-eight dollars a week. <laughs> But I, for now, I would just keep talking about the things that I use and enjoy and am in no way compensated for, like Howler Monkey Hot Sauce. Oh, it's my favorite. It's not my favorite. hot. The Howler Monkey, if you like hot sauce, Howler Monkey Hot Sauce. And they're not giving me shit for this. I mean, they're probably going to give me shit. Like, dude, take our name out of your mouth. Well, Howler Monkey Hot Sauce, the Amarillo one or Amarillo however you want to say it. That one is delicious. It's uh, spicy. It's uh, tangy. I don't know. It's fucking hot sauce. It's delicious. I don't know how to describe hot sauce. It's just hot, hotter, and hottest. It's 
fairly hot. It's not overwhelming, but it's delicious on shrimp. I think it's a big like 30A Gulf Coast kind of um, seafood hot sauce. But I also like it on, you know what? I didn't even know it was going that way. I like it on eggs. <laughs> Especially $10 eggs from Woodsong Farms. <laughs> Howler Monkey Hot Sauce. That's, that's, it's delicious. Try that one. As I probably said before, the standard bearer in hot sauce for my family. Also, there's a local hot sauce maker I'll, I'll, uh, who I bought their, their um, hot sauce, and it's good. And I don't want to say anything more before I have it again. I want to make sure I, I, I'm doing it justice if I'm going to talk about it. But the hot sauce standard bearer is the Yucateca habanero. That is, and it's hot. It's, it's to me, it's to my palate, it's quite hot. I don't know if it's very hot. It's quite hot. Uh, but that's the standard bearer. But if you are, are you a hot sauce fan? Support the uh, good folks at Howler Monkey Hot Sauce. They, uh, I've been buying the hot sauce for years, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. I can't. I think the one, my favorite one, is the Amarillo, and then the other one is the hot sauce. Is the hot one. Anyway, thank you for listening to the parenting stuff today. Uh, for those of you who don't have kids, and uh, more good stuff to come. And come to the Laughing Skull tonight, and on Sunday, go see Plugs. You know, celebrate Plugs' book release. I think it's pretty cool that he. He wrote a book called The King's Guard. And uh, have a great weekend. It, this weekend is about you, okay? It's not about your employer. And you know what? If you're in that relationship where you're not getting out of it what you're putting in, now is the weekend to fucking cheat on them.